You know, some of you are here today, and I, I heard from the Lord that that song is um, difficult for you because try as you will or desire as much as you desire uh, for maybe 10,000 reasons that you nor anybody else will ever understand. That seems like a far off dream to uh, sit in his presence and lean back upon him and to feel and to sense those um, overtures of his love for you. And um, I want to just give you an opportunity, uh, whether there's one or a hundred of you that would like prayer, specifically because you feel like the, the tender presence of the Lord is something that's far off from you. So if you would like prayer for that, uh, would you stand? And um, I want to share a scripture. I know there are some of you. Um, I want to share a scripture. Jesus looked at the crowd and he had compassion on them because he said they were like a sheep without a shepherd. Now, the reason the Lord, I think, showed me that verse is he always looks at us with tender eyes of compassion. But Jesus is not an austere, religious, um, rigid Person that many of you have been led to believe is true. Jesus, if he were here, and he is in the spirit, by the way, he would saunter up this room. He would just come up and give you a big hug. But we think he would come up to us and give us a big wallop. That is inaccurate. That is deception. And I, and I would want I want to pray for those of you who are standing. Anybody else? If, you know this. You don't get to be embarrassed. Just stand up. This is time when the church gets to pray. Anybody upstairs in the high and lifted up place? Cool. Okay. Now, those of you then who are around them, stand up around them. And just put a hand on their shoulder, and we're going to pray for just a minute that God would release a fresh vision of His presence into their soul. You see, if they know Jesus, their spirit's already perfect, but it's the soul that has a hard time believing that somehow God really loves us the way we are. Now, uh, let me just invite the spirit of God's already here. You brought him here with you. He lives in us. But I want to pray that the spirit of God would now just manifest himself in a tender, merciful, compassionate way toward you. So, Holy Spirit, I just invite you now in that sense to come and manifest your presence upon each one of these, your sons and your daughters. Come now, Lord, and just begin to touch them. You see, all you need to do is throw yourself into neutral. Don't try to figure anything out. Just receive from the compassionate heart of Jesus. I remember the first time I heard Jesus, speak to my heart. You are my son in whom I am well pleased. So, Lord, right now, would you begin to speak tenderly to the hearts of your people, those who have stood because they're brave and courageous, and those who have been timid and would not do so but still need that touch. Lord, thank you that you are always compassionate and loving toward us. And so, Father, right now, I pray that you would begin to uh, break off of each one of us any of those places of uh, wrong believing um, or old wounds that have kept us from seeing you as an austere um, religious father as opposed to a compassionate dad. 
And Lord, begin to go deep now into their spirit and let that revelation of who they are as your daughter and as your son begin to come forth, Lord, into great fruitfulness in their lives. Lord, uh, I would break every uh, spirit of accusation and condemnation off of them right now in the name and in the power and the authority of Jesus. We take your legal right to stay here in Jesus' name, and we command that you would be gone. Now, loose them, and Lord, let your life begin to flow in them. Let your rejoicing spirit begin to be uh, verberating within them, God, so that they could uh, not only know positionally that you love them and care for them, but Lord, draw them, like the song says, into that tender place where it's okay to sit at your feet and recline at table with you and let you speak those words of love and mercy over us and allow us then to respond in like kind uh, to you. So, Lord, I just bless your people here today, and I thank you for what you're doing in each one of them in the name of Jesus. God just said he's going to change some of your mourning into into dancing. (laughs) Now, that's a scripture, by the way, if you didn't know that, that's from Isaiah. It's not from the kind of the heart of Steve here. Uh, God's going to change uh, some of your your um, places of dryness into places of, of anointing. And some of you might even start to get happier. You know, a little rejoicing, you know, laughter, laughter. How does it do with do with well, like, a, well, you know what it is, like a good medicine. I don't know whatever it is. Well, Lord, thank you for uh, giving us the time. And I want to share um some of you get ready. I mean, God's really going to, you're going to be going home and all of a sudden you're going to start giggling. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but today, if you're visiting here with us for the first time, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no. Um, you know, church has been postured to people in such a way that's been so erroneous. Like little Lord Fontroy, you know, all dressed up and sitting and can't laugh. And, you know, it's like, come on. Jesus just loves us. He wants to hang out with us. Can you believe that? He just wants to be with us. Well, we've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, we've come to that uh, place where there's just a couple of major passages left. Uh, most of you know, of course, by now, uh, it begins in Matthew chapter 5 and goes through Matthew chapter 7. And today... Um, I actually want to look at a little text before we move to the celebration of communion here on the Sermon on the Mount. I want to read um, Matthew chapter 7, beginning at verse 13 uh, through about verse 20. And it's this little section that has to do with the narrow way, the skinny gate, you know, the little little place that you, we think it's hard to get through. Uh, So let me just read, beginning in verse 13 here, Uh, it says, Enter by, the words of Jesus, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, the wide gate, the the wide uh, way. But verse 14, but narrow is the gate and difficult is the way that leads to life. And there are few who find it relatively few. Uh, Verse 15, and therefore beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by the fruits. 
Now, do men gather grapes from thorn bushes? Oh, no. Uh, how about figs from thistles? No. Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, and every bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear uh, bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Now, uh, what I sense here as I've kind of gone through this is I need to go back for just one, a few seconds. Remember where Jesus began the sermon on the mount or the discourse on the hill. And he began with this, um, this text that in the King James or the New King James says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. But I love this translation. It says, rethink your life in light of the fact that the kingdom of heaven is now open to everybody. Rethink your life. Now, this is not hard. This is rethink your life in every arena. And that's what repent really means. See, we make it religious. Oh, I did. I can't believe I thought that. We beat ourselves up for being human. And there's a sense in which repent. You've got to leave something that's old. But I really love this translation. Rethink your life in light of how enormous and how big the love of God is for you. That's the nature of the kingdom. The kingdom of God among us. And Jesus looked out at that ragtag people on the hill and he said, the kingdom of God is for you. The downtrodden, the pushed aside, the marginalized, the not very smart people of the earth. God's, Jesus said the kingdom of God is now available to you. And all you need to do to enter into it is to rethink your life in light of its present reality. So all of us have opportunities to rethink our lives. If we're really paying attention to our life, now, let me take just a couple minutes and tell you about a recent uh, way in which I had to rethink my life. Um, I have a family history of heart disease. My dad had a quadruple bypass. My brother had a triple and uh, died in his mid 50s. And my wife is a nurse to boot and she has a lot of doctor friends and they encouraged her to take a test that would actually be a CT of your heart uh, and show you the amount of of disease in your heart. And uh, she convinced me to take the test, and I did. And she got a real low score on it, which is good, and I got a real high score on it, which is bad. I'm talking real high. Now, some of you already know this, but what I want to say to you is that I have had, therefore, an opportunity to rethink my life in light of whether God reigns or whether he doesn't. Now, Rethinking my life has meant to me doing some research, uh, going to the Internet, reading some books and finding out what is the truth rather than the muddled misinformation that often comes to us. And having done so, I've made some choices to no longer eat any animal products. If it has a face or has a mother, I don't eat it. I hate it. Because I love eating. I'm a meat eater, okay? I don't eat any more dairy. And there's, there's reason for both, not just I think I'll be a vegan, whatever that is. Uh, but for me, I no longer eat any processed food, any, any dairy, and any meat products, and any oil. And you say, well, what do you eat? Well, there's, there's, it's amazing. 
The point is not what I'm doing. The point is every one of us have opportunities to reevaluate our life at many different places along the spectrum. Now, that's what Jesus was suggesting here about uh, the kingdom of God. When you hear something that God seems to be speaking to you, the question is, what do we do with it? Well, he goes on and he talks about the narrow way. And let me say, first of all, what the narrow way is not. The narrow way, uh, this is a contrast, and the narrow way is simply a contrast between uh, uh, something that we'll look at in just a minute and the wide way, uh, the broad way, the easy way, if you will, that it always leads to destruction. It's the path of least resistance. And when God begins to speak something to our heart, whether it's about your physical body whether it's your mental state, your, your soul, if you will, or your spirit, it's incumbent upon us to pay attention to what he says and rethink our lives in light of what he's saying. And I can't tell you what he's saying about you. I can only listen for me. And that's the point of what Jesus is saying here. Um, the, the narrow way is not the easiest way, and it's not the widest way. In fact, Proverbs 14 Verse 12 says, there is a way that seems right to every human being. And guess what? It'll lead you right into destruction. That's exactly what Jesus was saying, that there's a narrow way and there is a wide way. Um, The wide and the broad way is simply a life that's lived for itself. Um, It's the way that's easiest. You know, I've said this before. I am so easy to get along with when I'm by myself. Not right, Harold? Amen. It's, I, but put me in the context of another person, and then the rub begins to happen. See, what's going on there is the easy way is just living life the way I want to live it, doing things my way. And Proverbs says, and Jesus just says, that will always get you into trouble. So, uh, there, uh, where my will is most important, that, that is, the the... The wide way and the broad way is where my will is most important and not the will of the Father. Now, Jesus has been talking about the will of the Father and what it looks like from an interior point of view by which the Spirit of God moves into our heart, into our spirit, if you will, our inner resources, and begins to live his life there. And when he, the king, comes into the the enthronement of our heart, he begins to transform us. See, this thing of kingdom is about who has domain where. You see, the kingdom of God is where God has the say. Steve's kingdom is where Steve has the say. And they're very different. That's what Jesus was saying here. One way is wide and it's easy and you get to do what you want to do. And the other one brings you into the tension of pressing you in and confining you in some areas that you might not like, but it always leads to life. The narrow way, secondly, is not just wide, but it is not doctrinal correctness. I'm not against doctrinal correctness. But the wide, the narrow way doesn't mean you're living it if everybody agrees upon everything and has all of their doctrine. Doctrine is simply what we believe the Bible teaches. If we have everything correct. Now, why would I say that? Well, it's pretty clear that the gospel can be accessed by everyone who truly believes. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. 
You see, it's when we believe, when we place the simplicity of our faith in the person of Jesus, that the transaction happens by which everything that he did on the cross for me becomes mine by faith. And that doesn't mean I have to have my doctrine correct. Now, those of you who like correct doctrine, don't be offended. I'm just saying that can't save anybody. That's not the narrow way. The narrow way, in fact, uh, it's not this doctrinal correctness because people can have their doctrine correct and be angry people. Filled with all kinds of bitterness and hatred and prejudices. You know them. You've seen them. The people out there have seen them. And that's why they're not interested in coming into here. That is the church. And we have allegations like it's a bunch of hypocrites. And in some ways. That we are. Now, what they may not know is, though I am still very much in process, Jesus, who is the the author of compassion and love, he has given his love toward me even while I'm yet doctrinally incorrect and immature. So doctrinal correctness does not change the human heart. The kingdom is about transformation of the heart. That's what Jesus has been talking about in this discourse on the hill. So, verse 14 says, the narrow gate, then, is a way that is confining, or it's difficult, but it always leads to life. In other words, the narrow way is simply confining to my flesh. Anybody know that besides me? It's their flesh that gets in the way. I hate the right thing sometimes. It just occurred to me. My brother died at 58, degree, 58 years old, had a triple bypass at 55. And you know what the big joke of his life was? I hate vegetables. The narrow way actually is the practice of routine obedience from the heart. Now we're getting to the substance. That's the, that's the nugget of the day. This narrow gate is actually the practice, little things over time, which demonstrates routine obedience from the heart. That's what Jesus has been talking about. So, so as there are places that the Spirit of God begins to point up to us, be they physical or spiritual or emotional or relational or whatever they might be, then he always brings us back to reevaluate your life because I'm bringing you into a confining place. Sometimes it's a difficult place, but it'll always bring you life. Why? Because I have your best interest at heart. The narrow way, simply put, is obedience to Jesus. And we get to learn how to be obedient. In fact, Jesus... Uh, um, learned obedience through the things that he suffered. Sometimes our suffering actually is producing the best amount of growth uh, in our life. Routine obedience, then, is the clearest way to show the kingdom heart of a transformed life. You see, routine obedience is how you show the kingdom is alive in your life. If you have a whole lot of st- a string of things where God speaks and you say no, like a little kid, you know, no. Okay, Holy Spirit speaks again and you say, no. And Holy Spirit speaks again and you say, no, I want it my way. You get what I'm saying? If there's a whole string of those things in your life, then you might want to, Matthew 4:17, reevaluate your life um, it, because of the present reality of the kingdom. Because what your life is showing you is that there is a whole string of of 
disobediences, which actually are demonstrating the kingdom in its fullness has not yet taken root in your heart. You see what I'm saying? Okay, I'm off the notes here, but that's kind of important. Okay, now, the second contrast that Jesus sets up here in this text, the first one is the contrast between what is narrow and confining and what is broad and easy. And now he sets up another one, and the next comparison is actually um, false prophets. Be careful of false prophets who can come to you and appear to you as sheep. Although inside, they're actually ravenous wolves. Have any of you seen a wolf? Woof. I've been to Yellowstone. So is Terry. Anybody, you know, they are killing machines. That may gross some of you out. The vegans among us. Now I are one. <laughs> okay. If you see a wolf, if he does not kill, he will not live. Now conceive of a wolf dressed in the garb of a sheep. You get the picture? Hey, how you doing, man? And he's about to eat your lunch. Now, what Jesus is saying is that recognizing that the kingdom of God is a present reality and that there are uh, ravenous wolves out there appearing like sheep. And he calls them. They're actually false prophets. Let's look at a couple of examples that he's already given to us in the Sermon on the Mount. If you give in order to be seen by men, it could be an indication of either you're immature or maybe you're a, a wolf. Uh, let's look at the next one, praying in order to be seen. You see, it's the religious stuff that Jesus was talking about to the people on the hill that he was pointing out what these false prophets can look like and what's actually generating their life. If you give, if you pray and if you fast in order to be seen, it's your notion of life has to do with the external realities of you rather than what's going on in your heart. That's why Jesus kept inviting people uh, to reevaluate their life and turn from and embrace the goodness of God because he loves us just as you are. So it's this notion then of 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 discerning the wolves out there from the sheep and discernment becomes even more important as the age matures or as the time moves toward completion. There's not anybody around that doesn't think things are man, things are maybe getting short. Now, other people think a whole lot of things about that concept of the eschaton, the end of the age. Jesus said he'd be with us always, even to the end of the age. As the end of the age sort of kind of moves forward, whether it's next year or 10 years or 110 or 300 years or who knows from now, discernment's necessary to be sure as the age matures. Why? Because he said there's going to be a lot of wolves around and they're going to be dressed up like cute little lambs. And the reality is those lambs at the last minute will throw off their garb and snarl and snap and try to eat your lunch. Okay. The question then is, how can I know the difference between wolf and sheep? False prophet versus uh, genuine prophet. Well, Jesus said in verse 16 and also in verse 20, I believe, that you will know them by their fruit. You can't fake fruit, at least very long. You can't fake fruit. Fruit is simply... Um, the kingdom heart that is always producing good. 
And now, Jesus didn't say it's perfect. Don't get misunderstood, misunderstand, or don't get under bondage. Oh, I'm not perfect. Neither am I. But see, the kingdom heart has to do with, with it, the king in the heart, is producing so that I might have ten strings of God speaking to me and me pouting like a little kid saying no, but I'm going to have some where I go, okay, God, I don't like it and it hurts, but I want to obey you. Yay! I win one. And then there might be three or four where I fail. You see what I'm saying? And what we see then is a series of, of, um, a willingness to obey him that demonstrates the kingdom because the king is in the heart. That's what Jesus is talking about. It's the inner realm where the king actually gets to rule. So Jesus then almost ends by saying, okay, let's talk about grapes. Now, do you get grapes from thorn bushes? No. Do you get figs from some other thing? I forget what he talked about. You see, you can tell the difference between a grape and a thorn. All you need to do is put it in your mouth and give it a good chomp. Wow, that's a grape. Oh, dad, that's a thorn. See, it's easy to tell the difference is what Jesus was saying here. Now, I want to end by just reading a text that's all about fruit. And you probably see it behind me and are familiar with it yourself in uh John chapter 15, Jesus talks about this thing of fruit. It's a powerful illustration where he begins in verse 1 and he says, I am the vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it back that it may bear even more fruit. Now you're already clean through the word which I have spoken to you. Verse 4, abide in me, there's the key. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. See, some of us have strained for years and years trying to be fruitful and not realizing all we needed to do is effortlessly stay connected to the to the vine. See, it's, it's, it's not about us. It's about simply releasing control. You know, I used to be scared to death. I mean petrified, worried, and anxious about preaching. I'm not anymore. And, and, and you'll know what I mean if you ever have to do a talk between before three, four hundred people or, or whatever. You know, we bite our fingers. It was, oh my, what if I make a fool out of myself? I've already settled that. I'm just a fool for Jesus. That's the you know, bottom line. That's okay with me. You see, but, but it's about him in us and not me performing. That's the nature of the kingdom. Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Straighten out that issue and understand that principle. And you are now light years down the road to living a life filled with, with joy. And that just means abide in me. See, apart from me, you can do nothing. This really will set you free if you learn, if you begin to learn how to really abide in Jesus. That means stopping your trying to be being religious, praying harder, giving more, fasting, you know, all that kind of stuff. All, all of them, I do them all, and they have their place, but the point is they won't make you anything. They simply come out of a heart that has been given over to the king. Uh, what he's after is effortless fruit 
um, being produced by those who are learning to abide in Jesus. Don't you love that effortless fruit? Have you ever seen a vine straining? I'm going to make fruit. <laughs> yeah. You see, simply abiding uh, in Jesus is what he's after here. Um, this this notion, I simply want to end by saying on Wednesday nights, we've been praying now for over five and a half years here in the sanctuary at 7 p.m. We go to about 830. We're going to start something um, additional in our Wednesday night prayer times where we're actually going to be looking at um, where how can we come and not be distracted from the things of the world? See, Jesus wants us to come away with him. See, that's the key to abiding. It's not being more religious. No, it's learning to focus on him and put the distractions aside, even if it's for just a few minutes every day. A quiet place for your heart where you can learn how to hear his voice. It's key as the, the days draw near. Learning to abide in me, in Jesus. You see, we're producing fruit is as effortless as just hanging out with him. I want to sit at his feet. I want to, you know, drink from his cup. That's the song that we were singing. How to simply relax in his presence. Some of us don't know how to relax in his presence because he, we think he's out to get us. He's already gotten us. And everything you've ever done that was wrong in his eyes has been nailed to a tree. By which he now says, you are my beloved. Just come on and hang out with me. But we got these negative tapes. Oh, daddy's going to kick my can. Oh, boy, look what I just did or what I didn't do. No, he already kicked a can. And it was called Calvary. So that you could be set free. You see, God wants to simply draw us into this place of coming away with him. So Wednesday night we'll have a portion of time given just to listening and reflecting and letting music kind of roll. We're not coming to perform for anybody because the king is just in the house. We're coming to be with him. Then we'll process and pray and you know see how the Lord leads us. But that's what we're going to be up to. Coming away with me, my beloved. Now, on the night in which Jesus was actually betrayed before that he took bread sitting with his disciples and he broke it and he said this is my body uh, which has been broken for you that is given for you as often as you eat this uh, do this in remembrance of me and likewise after he ate dinner with his disciples he took the cup and pouring it out he said this is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you as often as you drink this, do this in remembrance of me. You see, Jesus, who took our sin and separated it as far as the West is from the East, actually did it by means of his body being broken or given for us and his blood being poured out. So that as I consume the bread and the wine in remembrance of him, I'm celebrating afresh his death and his life until he actually comes. I'm saying, I'm declaring again that I belong to Jesus. Let's pray. Elders, would you come? Father, thank you for giving us an opportunity where we can come together and share around this meal. And Lord, we recognize, recognize that this is the table of the Lord. And uh, Lord, it is open to all who actually come with repentance and simply trusting in Jesus as their Lord. Thank you that today, as we consume these elements,
that they will have their spiritual and redemptive work in our hearts in further transforming us into who you want us to ultimately be, who you ultimately have already declared that we are. Lord, bless each one in the name of Jesus.